Hello there and welcome back to the Daniel Rosehill podcast to this episode number six. So in today's episode of the podcast, I want to go back again to a recent blog post I wrote, uh, on which is called Why to Trust Your Gut Instinct. It is number, this is episode number six of the podcast. Um, if you do want to check out my blog and read this post in full, you can visit danielrosehill.co.il forward slash my blog. You can also just go to danielrosehill.co.il forward slash blog and it's up there. The post is called Why to Trust Your Gut Instinct. Um, now, this is actually a answer I wrote on Quora. So I, I became relatively active on Quora about a year ago and I'm really kind of a bit less active these days, but I still have written close on 500 responses and I tend sometimes to put what I think are some of my better answers and uh, just spin them out into blog posts and sometimes put those up on my medium uh, page as well which I'm also on just by searching for Daniel Rosehill. So um, in this post I want to talk about uh, the question that sparked this answer was uh, what's your what is your advice to an aspiring freelancer? So um, certainly the, uh, you know, the topic of trusting your gut instinct is is something I've seen other freelancers talk about, but I do think it's such an, an important and integral <coughs> piece of succeeding as a freelancer that um, I think it, uh, you know, it bears repetition. So here's what I, here's what I had to say on the matter. I'm, I'm just quoting roughly from what I talked about. So this for me has probably been my my sticking point or where I have fallen down most in terms of freelancing and I'd say repeatedly in fact. Um, I've written a, another blog post and it's again up on Medium, it's up on my blog called Five Red Flags to Help Avoid Difficult Freelancing Clients. Now he's very hesitant to write that post because you know for kind of obvious strategic reasons I don't want to be giving off the impression that I am a, a difficult uh, person to work with or a difficult freelancer. Um, I would say that in terms of red flags, I probably see them in 20% of leads I talk to, perhaps a little bit more. So it's not a, it's definitely not every lead that comes my way, whether that's uh, through outbound marketing or uh, somebody that comes to me, an inbound lead. Uh, definitely not the majority, but a, a sizable minority and a sizable enough minority that, and I think this goes across the board. I'm, I, I'm, I've been active and I am active on writers groups, um, writers email exchanges, various fora. And I, this is something that I see absolutely all the time, particularly for those that are starting out. Um, <clears throat> you know, there are a lot of companies out there that I mean I offer writing services and that just really don't value it but that that also goes for SEO for graphic design I mean if you if you uh, want to see examples check it there's a very popular freelancing website called clients from hell they actually have a podcast as well of nice short four minute episodes so um, the amount of horror stories that are out there on websites such as that just really shows um <clears throat> that there are unfortunately a lot of clients that look to freelancers as freelancers firstly i.e they become uh, difficult when it comes time for payment or they demand far far too much and certainly that the latter is something i have uh, seen quite a bit of so um trusting gut instincts is extremely important now i've done a little bit of work in the artificial intelligence machine learning space and i think this is this is my favorite comparison 
about your gut instinct. It's basically like a machine learning model. And like a machine learning model, the more data you feed it, the better it gets. Now that has um, practical implications for those who have a gut instinct. So I have, I would say, a pretty superb gut instinct at this point. Now I've only been doing the freelancing game between part-time and now full-time for the last approximately two years. I've be only been doing this for about five years, but five years seems to have been enough, um, enough experience for me to be able to pretty quickly size up whether a lead's going to be a good fit, this is going to work out well, or this is going to be problematic. And uh, I describe it perhaps a little bit immodestly that my gut instinct is off the charts accurate. <clears throat> and I would certainly say that it is very pretty good. Um, I have doubted myself on many occasions and each time I've done that it's turned out to be a mistake and as I said if you if you think about it as a machine learning model as sort of an AI algorithm um, it makes sense that the better the more refined the more experienced your crew the bigger the pool of underlay underlying data that that instinct is coming from so I mean to understand the gut instinct I've linked to um, a couple of blog posts uh, the actual science behind good instincts. Um, there is research done into this, but really, you know, some some of it is just kind of layman or anecdotal information. But it does. I think the most important thing to know about good instincts is that it comes from a place. It is, after all, a kind of involuntary feeling that almost rises up from your gut, and basically, it doesn't just come randomly. It's not a random thing. It's basically your brain saying. Here's the experience I've crewed and it's pattern recognition. It's saying this lead that is uh, mentioning that the last freelance writer they had was a dud. I mean, you you can be objective and you can say, uh, well, let's see, this person is bad mouthing a previous person they worked with, which is unprofessional. Firstly, that's an object. And this is something, again, I have come across a few times. Um, so you can look at it on the objective layer or you can look at it on the pattern recognition layer and you could say, I remember two years ago that I was speaking to a company who told me that I was their fifth freelancer in a year and that the other four were rubbish and they never ended up hating my work and not paying me. So you can make that connection or you can look at it empirically. But uh, that's basically where the, uh, the gut instinct response really comes from. Um, and as I said, it is like a model that gets continuously better so basically i mean in terms of the red flags that i have seen when dealing with clients um the first thing i would say is that i try to not see myself um there's some client shaming is uh is a word that i think i've kind of propagated or uh, used in this but um it, it does kind of go on as i said that website clients clients from hell is a good example but i don't think it's healthy to see if you're a service provider, uh, a self-employed one, to see yourself as in the business of railing against clients for being bad and mentioning them by name. I do believe that anonymous reporting uh, can be really helpful. So a lot of people don't know that Glassdoor.com actually has a reporting functionality that's accessible for freelancers and contractors. In other words, you don't need to have been a full-time employee in order to leave feedback about a business. So in five years of freelancing, I've actually only done this two times. One, it was a great company. I wanted to tell other freelancers, this company is great. You should work with them. At least my experience has been they're great. And the other one was they were absolutely terrible despite a very, very slick looking website 
and on the outside it looked rosy but the glass door was horrible so i recommend really checking glass door just quickly for this reason if you're a freelancer and if it's something you know i as i said i've done it for one great experience one terrible experience good experiences and somewhat bad experiences i haven't bothered but i do think as freelancers um uh freelancers need to be basically helping each other out to avoid those problematic clients that are out there so some of the red flags that would trigger my gut instinct would be uh, impossible demands around responsiveness uh so this is one if you if you deal with someone who right out the bat is in crisis mode <clears throat> and that could mean that they approach you and they need something and you can say you know well, when do you need it done uh we need it done this afternoon or tomorrow morning that's never good uh when people are looking for you know last minute support it's usually a sign of disorganization it could just be a once-off but uh i think it's it often seems to be more it's more likely that they this is just kind of a reflection of a more um endemic issue the second one i've seen and I really, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this. Uh, I see it a lot with startups, or I have seen it quite a bit. The CEO slash founder needs to approve everything all of the time. So again, from working with smaller organizations from startups, um, I've seen this a bit, and it always kind of, it, it's, it's, it's a, a little bit silly. I, I worked, I did work at a company where I was reporting to, sorry, not work. This was as in a, uh, as in a freelance opportunity um a contract position essentially and it, it was an interesting client and interesting work but i was reporting to the marketing manager but every little thing i did and she was pretty easy to work with and relatively hands-off but every little thing i did whether that was an faq for their website or you know just a, an email or something like that needed to go by the ceo um, and this wasn't a tiny company this was well i guess in in most people's I'm so used to dealing with, uh, uh, you know, startups uh, being based in Israel that uh, I guess to a lot of people this is tiny, but I think it was about a 15, 20 person, maybe bigger than that organization. But uh, I, I just kind of thought it was a little bit, um, I'm going to say, I mean, does a CEO need to read every little FAQ draft text? And if he does, then what's the point of hiring an experienced marketing manager? Funnily enough, the marketing manager uh, left her position uh, the last time I, I checked. I actually, she reached out to me about her new company. Um, so I guess there we, so that, that's the kind of thing I see. I see things that to me are off and I later get confirmations such as the client thinking client will be difficult and them turning out to be difficult or thinking this place seems kind of sucky. Why does the CEO need to review everything? And then the, you know, the person, obviously, I can only imagine that her job as marketing manager was not so enjoyable hiring a, uh, a writer and then having to basically escalate every single little task I worked on through to the upper echelons of the company. I can imagine that to her felt kind of disrespectful. <clears throat> Orange to red flag number three I have here, and this is drawing from my five red flags to avoid difficult freelancing clients post which is on my blog and it's also on medium they mention upwork or fiverr a lot so this is now that upwork and fiverr have become kind of uh uh you know universally known this is your i'm hearing more and more people talk if, if they're in that kind of a marketplace and upwork has just been upwork for those that don't know is formerly odesk and um <clears throat> upwork's just been absolutely decimated in terms of rates it's really really 
a race to the bottom these days from what I can see. So any company that is routinely hiring and you're kind of like the exceptional, they've tried to give a non-Upwork person a shot for a change just to see what the difference is like. Uh, I, I, I really doubt those kind of, th- those things don't tend to work out well. People who are on Upwork are typically doing so. I mean, I call it orange flag because I do think Upwork is a great marketplace, as in I think it's a ter- it's become a terrible deal for freelancers um now their their structure of actually charging freelancers to reach out to people um i think their business model has just been you know and i've seen justifiable pushback against that but i do think um as a marketplace i mean if you think about it it's basically the rfp system the buyer the buy side of the marketplace creates an rfp freelancers bid on jobs but uh it just the rates i see there are so ludicrous that I check back about twice a year, which I know means I'm never going to actually win work on Upwork because, you know, I don't have this like long list of jobs. But every time I've gone on, and I've looked for work. I just said I'm, I can't be bothered. I've sent I'll send in like two applications, but the average rates there, I, people do have success breaking through that algorithm. But um, I, I, I've just been, it's, I'd almost say appalled, so appalled at the rates there that I'm just generally not bothering um red flag number four they don't understand what you do and again being based in israel working here in israel as a native english speaking writer in a non-writing market i come across i've come across and i still come across people that contact me a lot of companies that are just looking they don't get i mean what i do professionally you're free feel free to check out dsrghostwriting.com that's my writing business website i do b2b long form writing so con you know basically thought leadership writing so I was going to use the word content there stuff like articles white papers ebooks so I try to deliver a really good premium writing service for uh, technology clients that are looking to really influence debates in their industry so um, you know when I reach clients I do find good fit clients but um, I find here in Israel particularly a lot of people just don't get what I'm what I do um, at all and they're looking for a cheap translation service they've written something in Hebrew and they want to pay $50 to get that translated. And they think that's what a writer does. And uh, anytime that, you know, even if you take the translation site out of it, um, when people come to you and they think you're a translator, even if they are even if they're, they don't put that figure, I often find that the figure, they just have this, you know, it puts you in a box. So if people don't get what you do, uh, if you're if you're a copywriter and they don't understand the difference between copywriting and long long form content writing, then and you're a premium or expert provider in that niche, then I think it becomes very hard to actually assert your value if the basic understanding is just not there. So I have er- I have also got some early warning signs here in this blog post, and one of them is client has never worked with an X before, whether that's a writer or a photographer or a WordPress developer, they've never done it before but they think they know how everything works. Uh, that can be tricky. Again, these are not hard and fast rules. You will find exceptions, but I've I found generally that this these these are the case. Red flag number five, they're happy to pay your rate, but only for the very best X ever. So um, basically, and I was in a good freelancing group and a common, and I think this is very much the same point, a common refrain heard in that group was I don't just I don't try to justify my rate and I think when you get into this conversation of oh your rates are high but you know we we, it would have to be fantastic for us to pay it Um, again based on experience here talking from experience five years of experience 
that never you you can't i i find you can't really win people around by argument it just doesn't really work they either see roughly your value or they don't see it now i'm not advocating not doing great work i'm not saying you don't have to try do the best job for every client but if somebody says uh to you um yeah we usually pay two hundred dollars for a blog post and you're asking for five hundred dollars so we could do it but it would need to be you know blah 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 so by all means assert your value know your price be prepared to stick to it but i just find that type of uh that type of whatever you want to call it rhetoric dialogue um uh you know it just doesn't work we can do i've given some example quotes along these lines we can do your rate but frankly it would have to be the best the greatest article that's ever been written to justify it like poetry just longer so particularly when dealing with the kind of lower end of the market that maybe for the first year or two um, I interfaced with a bit more. Uh, you often see this. You, you see people with the most outrageous demands that, you know, we, we have the highest standards and this has to be the very best thing ever written in the history of whatever you're writing about. But their budgets are small. And typically, yeah, it, it just tends to go hand in hand that when you look, when you have people that speak like this, um it's it's often a it's often a red flag so that th- that's kind of an amalgamation of my two blog posts of what i would say to an aspiring freelancer um develop a gut instinct so one thing i did say here is in the early days what, what you're really looking to do i think is optimize for experience ideally you're optimizing for experience and money because who doesn't need money uh to pay the bills and to survive and to you know generally have a have a good life so you want to do both i mean you want to you want to be obviously increasing your income as much as possible but during the early years an equally important thing in my opinion is to be optimizing for experience and particularly the experience with a good feedback loop so basically you're looking to work with good quality clients that understand they may not necessarily be the very top paying um but they value what you do and they're willing to give you some instructive feed feedback and you can use that to grow. Um, so the, basically, the more you optimize your experience, if you do that, you can actually accelerate the process of developing a good good instinct. And that's because, as I said, the good instinct comes from experience. So the more experience that you can accrue, um, the, the better that you're going to find that good instinct and the more trustworthy. So I'm now kind of QAing, if you want to think about it like this. Think about the the gut instinct as a AI 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 algorithm, and I'm QAing it. I'm saying I'm deciding to go against it, and I'm saying retrospectively, actually that was 100% correct. So um, I'm trying to, unless there is a really a real edge case that I'm not sure about. If it's something I know, I see this kind of verbiage. People disrespect. They're disrespectful of writers. They don't really get what you do. They're not really happy to pay, but they reluctantly are. Um, this is just a small list I could have probably written 20 red flags but I'm clued into all these little clues now and um, typically when I get them it's just not worth for me I'd much rather spend three hours on content marketing and uh, outbound marketing um, and I I never really have a shortage of stuff to do so I'd rather spend time on that kind of initiative than going down a uh, business development process where I know from the first email that this is not going to work out and you know you'll end up having a phone call and they might pay for uh, they might pay for a test a writing test uh, but they'll end up not being happy with it and you know was it really worth going through that whole hassle and that email correspondence and setting up 
generating a quote on your on your invoicing system just to make you know whatever it is a couple of hundred dollars um i've usually come to the conclusion that it's not and that if it's a, it's an obvious negative that it's better just to just to exit at the right time <clears throat> so that's it guys those are my thoughts about why you should trust your gut instinct a few of the red flags i've come across in freelance writing that i think are either orange flags or they're flat out red flags and that you will develop your own list as you go through and accrue your own experience and the good news is that as you accrue your own experience you will uh, as you said your instinct will become better and therefore you should in an ideal situation you should actually end up spending far less time uh, dealing with red flags and that actually has another benefit it frees up time for you to give the green flag clients proper attention and to nurture those leads through to completion so hope this has been uh, instructive or helpful for somebody um, anybody that wants to get in touch can email podcast at danielrosehill.com and to get to my website without typing in that unusual top level domain you can also just visit danielrosehill.com two l's in rosehill thanks for listening to this episode of the daniel rosehill podcast <laughs>